It's the Happy Families Podcast. It's the podcast for the time-poor parent who just wants answers now. Kids swear, usually because they want a reaction. They'll do it for the shock. They'll do it for the for the blob. They'll do it for something. They'll also do it because they want to fit in. And now here's the stars of our show, my mum and dad. Hello, my name is Dr. Justin Coulson. I am the husband of Kylie Coulson the mum mum to our six kids. Is that the kind of intro that you like? Yes. Star of the show, Mrs. Happy Families. It's not about being the star of the show. Oh, says the star of the show. (laughs) It's not about me. (laughs) Hey, uh, every Tuesday, we do our very best to answer your questions. We love it when you send us emails, podcasts at happyfamilies.com.au. And we especially love it when you include an audio file with your question because we love to hear your voices as well. Here's one that's come through from Erin. Hi, Justin and Kylie. I wanted your insights into how to deal with swearing. We have three children and our eight-year-old son, when he gets angry, particularly if he's being redirected or corrected by us, his first emotion is often anger. And the swearing that we hear from him is in the extreme. Now, in our family, we don't swear. And I wondered if you had any ideas about how to stamp it out. It just feels kind of a bit soul-destroying to hear your child speak to you in that way. So, Kylie, the swearing issue, it's one that we've had to deal with in our family more than once. Uh, and and we're not we're non-swearers. We're, we're a bit like Erin in that we've got certain uh, language standards for our home. I mean, we don't even say – well, the kids don't even say the word stupid or shut up or anything like that, right? <laughs> Right? What world do you live in? <laughs> okay, we discourage it. We discourage it strongly. <laughs> well, I I may have actually been quite a bad influence on our kids because we we don't swear, but crap does get a pretty good workout out of my mouth. Anyway. Now, some some people would say that that is a swear word. Yeah, it probably is. I don't think that it is. <laughs> Because I say it all it's the time. It's pretty gross. <laughs> I don't. All right. So uh, a 2013 study that I found looking at eight-year-olds showed that eight-year-olds in 2013 knew 54 taboo words, starting with shut up and stupid. I and, thought there was only seven. And progressing from there. Well, 54? 54. What, where have I been living? Starting with shut up and stupid, but then progressing from oh, that point. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. So we're starting at a fairly low baseline okay. and then pushing it out from there. I'm, I'm thinking of the deadly sins. But, but as Erin has said, we're, we're talking about an eight-year-old here who's swearing uh, using all of the big words. I well, mean, I remember how it was dealt with when I was little. Probably wouldn't do that today. Yeah, how was that? Are you, you going to say soap or something like yes. that? Well, I mean, we had that on parental guidance last year as well. Yeah. If they use their words incorrectly, if they're swearing or using abusive or rude language, then an obvious consequence for that would be we actually do put a bit of soap on their toothbrush and brush their teeth with soap. I remember my little sister, she was about three and she was going to family daycare. And she came home with the F-bomb. No. Big time. But the crazy thing is kids at that age have no understanding. Well, and I was going to say, it's a, it's a totally different thing when you've got a three-year-old who's saying something explicit. She just heard it. Versus an eight-year-old who is losing it and using those words as weapons. Yes. Yes. In Erin's situation, it feels personal. It feels like an attack. Yeah, it does. So, I, I, I mean, I've got a handful of solutions that we can talk about, but but I think we've got to discuss just a couple of other things before we get to solutions. So, one of the things I think um, we've come to recognise as we've parented our children is that words have a lot of power and the bigger reaction we give to those words, the more power 
we give to the words that are being used. I love, I love that uh, concept. Michael Hutchins, the late Michael Hutchins from In Excess in the song Devil Inside used the line, words are weapons sharper than knives. Mm. And, and our eight-year-olds, when they're upset, they know that. They comprehend that. It makes sense to them. Yeah, I, I think about even my experiences as a young child and the times where I said the worst things, not necessarily swear words, but mean things, were the times where I was hurting the most. Right, yeah, that's when you yell at your parents, I hate you. You don't understand. Yeah. You're the worst parents in the world. So the amazing thing about the power of words is it actually gives us an insight into our children in a way that they might not even be aware of if we're attuned to what's going on. Right. So words have power, but words also, especially when our children are melting down like that, high emotions, low intelligence, what we're getting is insight into this is something that means a lot to my child. This is something that creates either some tenderness or some frustration or some fear, some sadness, some stress or challenge that they're not equipped for yet. Yeah, and and Erin's acknowledged that obviously when the the situation calms down, they're able to have some really beautiful connecting times. So the challenge is how do we help them navigate the space while they're stressed? Yeah, so we'll talk about that shortly. There's a couple of other things that I think we need to talk about in terms of why the swearing is happening. So when I look at research around this, kids swear usually because they want a reaction. Okay, so when Erin is saying, my husband says we need to do something about this, eight-year-old goes, got the reaction I wanted. So they will do it for a reaction. They'll do it for the shock. They'll do it for the for the blob. They'll do it for something. Uh, they'll also do it because they want to fit in. And so Erin's highlighted that the skate park is an environment where there's going to be a whole lot of content that we wouldn't want to hear in our own home. But to fit in, these words are coming out. I still think, though, that um, the research probably best encapsulates Erin's issue Sometimes kids just do it out of anger. They do it because they're so, so mad. And other times we're dealing with things like ADHD or autism or even Tourette's or some other kind of inhibitory challenge. And so the research points to kids using this kind of coarse language in those circumstances as well. There are reasons that they might be doing it. Obviously, we're not there and we we only have a really small snippet of information. But as a parent, sometimes there are signals. We can see the build-up. And if we can actually kind of cut the circuit before it builds. Sure, yeah. So so what's the quality of the connection? Is your child experiencing stress? What's the power dynamic in the relationship? All of these underlying factors, as well as just the child being hungry or angry or lonely or tired or stressed, mm. uh, all of these underlying factors could also be used to our advantage by getting in early before they blow up and before things get too much. There was a podcast conversation that I had a couple of months ago with Professor Todd Cashton. That was such a good conversation. And I actually just listened to it recently in preparation for today because I wondered whether there was some kind of helps that we could um, reiterate. But one of the things that I loved, because there was an acknowledgement in that podcast that we and and Todd have very different views on the use of language. Yeah, he's, he's pro. He's pro <laughs> course. He, he's, he, he loves some explicit language. It, very colourful. <laughs> Um, but he was able to kind of just elaborate on how that language is used in the home and the acknowledgement that in the home, he doesn't care what kind of language the kids use. They can use whatever language they want, but an acknowledgement that if they want to be really creative around the use of words, then 
using the seven deadly sins that we've previously talked about, using the seven seven really bad words, is pretty lame, a pretty lame attempt at um, conveying what you're feeling. Yeah, I, I love the phrase that I heard when I was a kid, profanity is a feeble mind trying to express itself forcibly. If you go back to listen to episode 474, episode 474 with Todd Cashton, he'll explain what he's done with his kids to encourage them to express themselves well, but not necessarily rely on the same bland, coarse language that most people are used to hearing. And it's actually really enlightening and it might actually provide a solution. After the break, my five ideas for how to help our kids stop swearing. Just when you think you've got this parenting gig nailed, your child hits some new milestone that leaves you figuratively banging your head against the wall. You wonder, where's the instruction manual? Your growth guide is that instruction manual, a webinar outlining basic milestones so you know where your child's at, where they're going, and what you can expect. Get insights, reassurance, and support from your growth guide. Available online at happyfamilies.com.au. It's the Happy Families Podcast, the podcast for the time-poor parent who just wants answers now. And I'm wondering what your tips are, Dr. Justin Coulson. Just before I share that with you, my favourite line from – did you ever watch The Young Ones? British comedy show, these four crazy, completely distinct, different weirdos all moved into the same unit. Can you two guys stop hustling each other? I'm getting really bored with it, all right? (laughs) Dear me! Poor old Neil's getting bored! The most boring person in the whole world is finally getting a taste of his own medicine! I think you made me watch it once. I I did! I used to love the young ones. Because I watched it and I was like, what are you on about? There's Rick and Neil and Mike. Ben Elton used to write it. It's such a funny show. I I love the young ones. I have a very, very dim memory of you making me watch watch it did, did you watch in the it? early days <laughs> i loved it and there's there was this one episode where there's these devils in hell or something like that and they get let out if somebody ever mentions their name and no one ever mentions their name because they're really weird names one of them's name is Fatunch. under the new ruling all a student needs to qualify for an increased grant is a a numkal from the local authority <laughs> What's a Fatumch? Fatumch gets let out of hell for a, a day to wreak havoc or some, some bizarre thing. But I, I remember for a while I would use the word Fatumch as my coarse language expletive. It was my opportunity. Oh, Fatumch! I'd get so cranky and use Fatumch. And, and I love this idea that we can just become explosive with fun, creative words. Maybe that's an idea. But five ideas, Kylie. Let me run through them. One? one? Let me run through them. One, one. <laughs> let me run through them. Number one. I want to start by giving a content warning for the next 30 seconds or so. One of our staff members shared a story with me. And if you've got children listening, this is not a story for children. I want to give you just a second to press pause. This is definitely not a story for children. So now that I've given that content warning, uh, my staff member's son yelled at his brother, suck my balls. He actually shouted at his brother. He was really angry and he was trying to give him a really hard time. And my staff member walked into the room and said, do you know what you just said? To which the boy replied, yeah, like he thought he was going to get in heaps of trouble. And, and she said, you're not in trouble, but I just want to make sure that you understand what you just said. You actually just asked your brother to perform oral sex on you. <laughs> Now, I know, I know I've been really explicit with that, but sometimes if we've got a child who is using this kind of language, if we can just pause, slow it down and explain precisely what they've said and what it actually means, 
what we might find is that they may start using alternative language. They Or they may look at you and go, what would you know? <laughs> I don't think so. I th- what would you know? I think that in that case, and, and in fact, in her case, her son was extraordinary. He was mortified. He was so embarrassed. Number one, he was embarrassed that his mum was talking to him about it. But number two, when he paused and thought about the ridiculous nature of what he'd said, he was like, oh, my goodness. Okay. So content warning over. But I just wanted to share that as my first option. Explain what it means. Because when your kids understand what it means, all of a sudden the words don't quite have the same power that perhaps they thought that they did. The second option is a very, very low-key, really soft option. And that's just to explain the importance of consideration of others. So you mentioned before in episode 474 of the podcast with Todd Cashton, he is fine with his kids using whatever language they want. But one thing that he was really clear about, and I'm so glad he was, is that when other people are in the home, outside of the family, or when we're outside of the home, we need to be mindful that other people may not feel the same way we do about the way these words are being used. And while I don't, I don't necessarily agree with this idea, it may be useful in this context for this family. And that is you might say to your child, we can't control the language that you use, but we do have certain standards in our home. If you want to use that language with your friends or down at the skate park, if you want to use that language in other contexts, that's up to you but when you're here or when you're around other people who might find this language inappropriate we ask that you are considerate of them is one of your points emotion coaching Uh, no it's not oh really i think that this is a perfect time especially when you think about erin's story and the acknowledgement that her son is using this behavior when he has big emotions yeah so helping him understand what he's feeling when he's not feeling those big emotions outside of the fact and what other options he would have available to him to be able to express himself adequately would be really powerful for him. Yeah, when when our kids are in the heat of the moment, it may not work, but it's worth trying because emotion coaching is profoundly powerful when we get it right. It takes practice. So you might want to practice in times that aren't quite this heated. Well, it's probably not going to happen when he's heated. And that's what I'm saying. But but it can. Like I've emotion coached you through some pretty big emotions and our kids – what are you saying? I'm just, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. But when your child's losing it, instead of saying stop it, cut it out or whatever, you might just say, you're really mad about this. And as hard as it is, you can't make it about you because mm. it's hurtful. It's mm. really hurtful in the moment, but it's actually not about you. Yeah. And being able to take yourself outside of that and just focus on this little human being who is hurting. You're so mad. You're so frustrated. You just want to let everyone know about it. You want to use all the bad words that you can and just let this go, don't you? You're furious. So don't give the words power. Just acknowledge the emotions. So there's a couple of other things that I'm going to run through fairly quickly because time is getting away from us, but I hope this is helpful. The first is be mindful of what content your child is accessing. Obviously, your child accessing content online and on Netflix or whatever, that could have some impact. But we, we need to be mindful that even if they're not being exposed to this stuff through the media, they are being exposed to it in the playground. Mm-hmm. So that's going to have some impact, but not a lot. But I, I definitely think that we need to maintain our standards in the home, even when it comes to media consumption. Never, ever accept abuse. Never accept abuse. I, I would be getting dad to step in quite firmly. So there's, there's a difference between coercive discipline and confrontive discipline. Coercive discipline is when you say, I'm going to make you do this. Here's what's going to happen if you don't do it. And and it gets kind of nasty. We're using our power to force something to happen. Confrontive discipline 
is not the same. Confrontive discipline is when somebody steps in and says, hey, what's going on is not okay. And I'm going to call you out on this. We need to do something about it. And it needs to stop now. So I remember when one of the kids was unkind to you once I, and, and was saying something really rude. I stepped in and I, I said something along the lines of, you are talking to the one person in the world that I would literally do anything for. The most important person in my life, the most important person in my world. And you can do and say whatever you like to whoever else you want, but you will not ever spe- speak like that and use that kind of language in relationship to your mum. I, I got the all patriarchal and paternalistic and all that sort of thing. But it sent a really clear message to the kids that they don't speak like that about you or to you. I reckon if dad can step in and just say no, and I've said that when they've been saying it to one another as well, when they've been cruel to one another, it's like, no, 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 your sister is one of the most important people in my life. If anyone came into the house and started to behave like that, I'd stop it no matter what it took. I would not accept that from a stranger in the house. I'm certainly not going to accept it from you. Sometimes that confrontive discipline, it's not threatening. It's not saying I'm going to take your iPad off you for a week. It's just calling and saying no and here's why. Uh, we, we can't ever accept abuse. And Kylie, ultimately, what we've got to do is get curious. We've kind of That's been an underlying theme of the whole podcast. Mm. What's underlying this? Where's this coming from? What's really going on? What do you think we can do better? How are we going to deal with it next time? They're my answers. No quick fixes at all, but hopefully they're helpful for you, Erin. I think the only other thing that I would acknowledge is that when I think about some of, I'm going to say your bad habits. Right. <laughs> I don't have any. Sure. <laughs> no, but when I think about bad habits that I have or things that I want to overcome or change and think about how many times I slip up, how many times or how long the process is to change that behavior. Right. Recognizing that in our children it's no different and probably even harder for them because they don't have the same experience and maturity that we have to make those changes. And so it really requires a soft place as we help them navigate. And a good example. Erin, we hope this has been helpful. The Happy Families podcast is produced by Justin Rowland from Bridge Media. Craig Bruce is our executive producer. And if you'd like more info about making your family happier, please visit us at happyfamilies.com.au. Listener.